Right, another episode of the Stephen Sully study. First of all, I want to say shout out to Mimboso for capturing again all the footage and uh, always giving us the support. Um, very much looking forward to the uh, wellness platform kicking off in the next few months. It's very exciting times. And I'm here uh, at Woodbury House in a private art studio in Soho. Got my next guest, Tom, Mr. Blackford. Hello. Thank you very much, sir, for coming on board. Good to see you. So I'm just going to give uh, the audience and the listeners a bit of a um, backstory how I came across you. And this is the, it's a little bit about the conversation that we had just now. This is the world that we live in. So um, walked out the studio, typical um, busy day in Soho. There's a lot of things happening around here, lots of different people. And I walked past a, a mural, a, a shop. Um, actually, it was a, um, I think it was a building site at the time. Yeah. And um, kind of Mickey Mickey Mouse type character that had gone evil. That's how I, I describe right. it. But yeah. looks quite punk, quite funky. And I saw the, um, I think it was an Instagram handle, which was obviously yourself. I took a photo of it, tagged you in it, then started speaking to you on direct message. And then we hooked up a couple of times, had a conversation. Now we're doing a podcast. Yeah. And I think social media today is a mad paradox between... It's really good because you can instantly connect and sure. you can expand your network. And the old cliche saying is, your net worth is determined by your network. Right, okay, yeah. But then at the same time, you can get pulled into like a world where it can become a bit scary. I was talking to you earlier about my son who's only eight months old. He's uh, gonna come into a world where technology and social media is almost gonna be an extension of him. That's right, yeah. Um, and it, you know, a lot of people can end up wasting a lot of time, a lot of effort, a lot of energy on it. So it's about having that balance. So I know we've jumped a little bit ahead, but how, how do you manage? How do you manage your time and stuff? Being an artist, being on social media and things. Um, so yeah, I think the rise of importance uh, in regards to having a presence on Instagram has definitely changed the landscape <laughs> as far as being a. Being a, a freelance artist, um, or being an artist in any sense, really, but but definitely, if your if if your um, career relies on self uh, promotion, then Instagram is really the you know where you need to be pushing your work these days. Um, I try and spend as little time on it as possible these days. Mm-hmm simply because you like you say you get caught up in a before you know it you're in a, a a black hole of looking at random stories and and pet videos and <laughs> accidents and uh yeah it can be a real time waster so um i think you've done it right though on your your social media because when i was on it earlier you got a good a good good following i think about thirteen and a half thousand followers on instagram but you've kept it strictly business and i think i think I'm not saying that everyone has to just use it just for business, but I think if you're doing it a little bit more than, you know, business and just having a couple of comments with friends, I think that's when you get pulled into a world of it's just artificial and you're just not, you, you can waste a lot of time. Um, but yeah, so um, I think, I think uh, as you were just saying that self-promotion is very, very, very important. I read a book by Richard Branson a couple of years ago called, I think it was called Losing My Virginity. Okay. And he was, um, which is quite funny, um, he is known for like almost predicting the future. So I'll give you an example. He, um, 
he said to the uh, media once that he was going to release a um, this was years and years ago decades ago I think going to release a little um, black box that you could listen to music from because you know you used to have music, uh, Virgin Records yeah and he was obviously known as a pioneer in that sector, a multi-billionaire from from that and other other uh, businesses. And he said he was going to release this, uh, this 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 black box and you could listen to music from. And then he said it was just a hoax. He was just made it up. Right. But the irony is, um, a couple of years after that, Apple or Steve Jobs released the iPod, and right. that was actually essentially the, the same thing. Exactly, exactly, yeah. exactly same thing, basically. Yeah. And then he also said in his book that. PR companies or advertisers are slowly going to start losing their, their not their jobs or their careers, but their power. They, they're going to lose a lot of their power because the power <coughs> is going to come to individuals, to individuals or, business, yeah. or, or businesses. Yeah. And it's going to be in the form of social media. Yeah. And again, a lot of people mocked what he was saying. And now, if you look at today, I mean, I, I've had a few marketing uh, meetings, PR meetings recently about how advertisement and um, getting you know getting paid for your work or your uh, your services how it's all changed yeah and it and it's true like yeah. social well, media is such I, a powerful tool i think i feel like graffiti artists and street <coughs> artists were you know they were, they were almost doing that from before social media became mm. such a current thing you know that was the first sort of way of presenting yourself to the outside world if you had uh you know uh art that you were you wanted to get into the public it was about literally putting it out there on the street or you know painting trains and whatnot and in a way that's the first form of social media in a sense so it doesn't surprise me at all that graffiti artists and street artists have now are now using this platform in such a big way and getting the exposure that they're, they're getting um it all seems to make sense i think that there's a very entrepreneurial um mindset just involved in being a street artist in the first yeah. place or a graffiti artist in the first place yeah i um i've got a, a few friends of mine who are in like the creative uh space Dark Circle clothing company uh, is one of them, and then really good friends of mine is Trapstar, and they started literally from a boot of their car. And now, if you take the clock to today, 2019, they got an investment by Jay Z's company, Rock Nation, and they're here. They're also in America. They've got people like Rihanna, Drake, Meek Mill, obviously Jay Z, all wearing the clothes. I mean, it's just a, it's just amazing what they've achieved. Then you've got. Um, not that I know him, but people like Ed Sheeran used to play um, his guitar in the in the in the subways in the in the um, in the tube and stuff to try and get recognition. Right. And I think when you're in that creative space, there's so much competition in it, but you need to do things outside of the box in order to get recognised. And it, it's probably no different to street artists, people like yourself who do public art, because you can do these amazing things on the streets, like you did around the corner from here, which caught my eye. But then how do you make that transition from the streets of London or wherever you're at onto canvas? I mean, how do you go about doing that? I think, I think, I mean, <clears throat> my journey has been through <coughs> starting as an illustrator, really. So I've always drawn, I've always painted, but prior to graffiti, I was using acrylics and whatnot. And then it wasn't until I started doing graffiti in a big way that I learn how to paint essentially I feel like that was when I started to really understand colour and composition and blending and cutting back techniques 
that I learned while doing graffiti then very organically transitioned very well into working on uh, campuses. So I've gone from sort of being an illustrator to then probably being known better as a graffiti, or not better, but, but I think most people will know me for my street work rather than my illustration work. Yeah. Uh, and then, so I feel like working on canvas, it's a nice way of bringing those two elements together. So I kind of retain a lot of the um, graffiti essence of my work by, by using, I'll use spray paint in my, in my paintings and I, I try and retain an element of um, just, yeah, just the way that I put the characters together, the way I put the backgrounds together. It's all stuff I've learned through painting on the streets. Um, and then I get to bring my illustrative side on there as well. <coughs> I get to spend longer on the paintings, on the canvases than I would on, in a street environment. And that suits me quite well because I'll quite often, when I paint in the street, I'll find imperfections after I've gone home and taken photos. And then I end up going back the next day and touching it up. Okay. And then I'm like, okay, I've just got to leave it. This is, this is supposed to be a kind of pretty quick art form. I can't treat it like a canvas. I've just got to leave it and let it be done. Whereas with painting canvases, I quite like having that um, opportunity to paint, spend a couple of days, rest come back to it add more to it you know there's more of a luxury i've got more of a luxury there to, to to spend a bit more time on it so each of these mediums have their own advantages and disadvantages yeah the disadvantage of street stuff obviously being that it doesn't last very long especially yeah. in london and um it must be hard sometimes to uh get the wall space or yeah yeah i, I, I found that's increasingly difficult in the last i'd say the last five years I think everyone seems to have now jumped on this yeah. kind of, even artists that didn't come up as graffiti <clears throat> artists or street artists, you're getting a lot of just, uh, you know, uh, painters and contemporary artists realizing that there's a, there's an advantage to painting within a public domain. Um, and obviously you'll, you'll, yeah, social media, uh, plays its part there because you get people taking photographs of your work and putting it on the, blogs and websites so yeah it's kind of a bit of a free-for-all at the moment um whereas i think in the past there was a a level of hierarchy in place so there were some artists that you just didn't <coughs> go over or you you respected the fact that they'd been painting for a while um and they had they had a name attached to them and you just you just respected it whereas now i think everyone's just the the rules of graffiti have gone out the window and everyone's just trying to it's a bit ruthless yeah pretty much yeah mm. yeah so yeah don't expect your stuff to stay too long get a nice photo of it <laughs> well um funny enough you say that so um our uh background woodbury house has been dealing with richard hamilton but predominantly just yeah. dubbed as the godfather street art he's called his work public art Sure. And then you have um, his tenant at the time was a guy called Christopher Ellis Days, and who you met at our show. I think it was in April or May. Yeah, a couple a couple of months ago. Yeah, both very very incredible people. Got slightly different way um, styles and stuff, but both from the same ilk from New York or made their name in New York basically, and went from the streets onto canvases. Sure. And um, I was talking to Days about the same sort of thing, and he was like, he was saying to me like the streets are almost like their marketing platform because you make yeah. a name for yourself on the streets and then when you get 
fairly well known this is before uh, social media was around when you get fairly fairly well known then you put it onto canvases then big galleries or big collectors starts noticing you and that's how people start purchasing then it, then opportunities come prices go up and things of that nature sure um but yeah i think uh, going back to the whole social media thing today it can be some would say that it could be a little bit more easier to prom- promote your work but again there's more distractions on it as well um so uh with your art then i mean what is i think it's important to do interviews like this because i've always said that to rely on customers or clients or collectors to say oh i like that work and i'm going to purchase it people will do that but i think it's it's healthy for them to understand the psychology behind your work and your theme and your style so where does your style and thing get born from i think i think it comes from so um back at the beginning of of uh, probably when I was when I came out of uni, I did I did a year and a half of uh, illustration at university. Uh, didn't get on there, so I left that a year and a half in, uh, and decided I wanted to try and be a comic book artist. Okay, so that was where my passion lay at that time. I was, I was, I was already heavily interested and influenced by graffiti, but I wasn't going out and painting. I was I was I was tagging and then I did designs for my book, but my my heart was set on trying to get into the comic book world. Uh, found that to be increasingly difficult, and also my style I don't think was quite cut out for it. I think I've always had this sort of quirky, slightly dark uh, style, which which suited individual pieces rather than uh, narrative work. So yeah, I. Um, went from doing the comic book stuff to thinking, okay, I just want to be an artist Mm -hmm. and all around. I don't want to be pigeonholed. I don't want to necessarily be a graffiti artist (coughs) or be an illustrator. I quite like the idea of having um, the opportunity to to go into various different genres and, and not be boxed in like that. So I think, yeah, I think... The graffiti thing for me was a way of, I, I don't know how I'd promote my art outside of that, to be honest. I, it just makes sense to me. If you want to make a name for yourself and you want people to see your art, just like get it out there. Uh, in terms of style, I think I still retain that comic book foundation in my work. Mm. Um, it's become increasingly more, uh, I guess, pop-based popular culture imagery appearing in my work a little bit more subverted uh, icons from pop culture sort of my own twisted uh, adaptions of them um, slight uh, big into my Japanese animation so okay. I think that crops up here and there in terms of colours and compositions um, but yeah it's, it's a very hard thing for me to to define personally I think it's up to the audience in a way to yeah. kind of like tell me what I'm about because it's like chasing my own tail trying to yeah. work out what I'm doing Yeah. but um, yeah I kind of tend to stay away from any sort of political art it's all very sort of aesthetic based yeah. poppy and punchy colourful yeah. definitely with a lean towards the dark side Yeah. a lot of people look at my stuff and say oh that's bit twisted it's a bit out there but it's like the one i saw and also i think you showed me one of goofy is it before? yeah and they, they both look like they've been possessed slightly by the devil but right. want, <laughs> want to be possessed by the devil almost they're on 
kind of like a kind of drug maybe somewhere yeah. um i like it because it is it, edgy it's, it's quite dark and there's a little bit of like it's they're, take, they're happy but they're yeah. also a little bit like crazy at the same time yeah it's taking it's taking images and icons that are deemed as very uh innocent and um what's the word i'm looking for <coughs> sort of holier than now do you okay. know what i mean and adding a, a sort of a dark twist to them. Yeah. I think I just get a kick out of it. I think I just enjoy subverting um, expectations. Yeah. Yeah. So um, you've been painting how long now for? The graffiti stuff I've, I've been doing for about 15 years, I'd say. Uh, probably professionally for about 10 years. Okay. So painting murals and more commercial work for about 10 years. Okay. Um, but, you know, like doing art since since forever. And do, is it something that you've kind of taught yourself or is it something you went to school for or? No, 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 taught myself. I say taught myself, but I think those formative years of painting with guys that were, when doing the graffiti stuff, painting with guys uh, that were a good 10 years older, maybe 15 years older, that already had that background and were already really technically quite apt when it came to using spray paint. I was kind of thrown into to having to um, get up to speed very quickly. Okay. So I think that helped enormously. Just that internal pressure of feeling like I had to not fuck up in front of these these guys whose work I respected. Mm. You know, that was kind of uh, a good a good way of um, a good introduction. Yeah, I guess. And then, um, yeah, I found like once once you kind of get to grips with the technical aspect, then that really just opens you up to being able to produce, you know, it makes it a lot easier for you to realise your ideas once you've, it takes a couple of years, I'd say, to, to work out your style and your take on things. And um, yeah, and it's been pretty, pretty easy run since then, really. Yeah. At the... Uh, as an artist or someone in fashion or someone in music it's all about producing your very very best work and I would imagine there's got to be a lot of emphasis on your emotions that have got to be put on the canvas on the wall into your music in the studio yeah. into your, your clothing it doesn't yeah. matter what form of art you're doing there has to be an element of emotion so people can feel what you're doing and understand yeah. the backstory yeah. but then you got that one side and the other side is there has to be an element, even though some people don't like talking about it, the money side of it. Because at the end of the day, if you're if you're a multimillionaire and you're doing it for fun, then that's fine. Yeah. But if you're also doing it for a career yeah. where you're not a multimillionaire, then yeah. you have to be talking about the marketing side of things, aligning yourself with the right brands, art studios, galleries. Yeah organizations sure so how do you switch your mind from that creative to that kind of business side of things it's, 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 it's difficult I find that something to be something that I really do struggle with and I think I well I like to I like to think that I won't always struggle with that because I like to feel that as I become more established I find more and more people come to me because of the work that they recognize that I do rather than me just being an artist for hire um, so the way I play it these days is I tend to do, like I'll do a big commercial job um, and then I'll, you know, maybe I'll post that online 
if it's a job that's allowed me to express myself and that I'm proud of. If it's not, if it's just something quite sort of corporate, then it's like, that's just something that I'll do that will fund, you know, make it possible financially for me to then go back and concentrate on my personal work and go out and paint walls mm. and inject into that. Um, so yeah, at the moment, I'd say it's about 50-50 in terms of revenue. So it's like, yeah, I, I do the commercial work and then um, canvases and illustration work, prints, books, the stuff that's what I'm really about. Yeah. Um, that probably makes up about 50% as well. But it is, it's that constant juggle yeah. of, of wanting really to kind of concentrate on purely my own work yeah you know um so that's the goal essentially yeah i like to get to a point where i'm uh yeah a, a full-time full-time artist producing work in the studio mm. um <clears throat> with potentially a, a a gallery that um understands what i'm doing <laughs> your vision yeah because um talking about this artist over here richard hambleton um he was known for working alongside jean-michel basquiat and, and keith Haring. sure and jean-michel basquiat and keith Haring conformed with the art market so they worked with massive galleries they end up working alongside investment bankers who were investing into their work and yeah and become very very quite quite commercial but then hambleton turned his back on the art market and became a rebel and kind of disappeared off the face of the earth for like two decades. Right. And some people really admire that and they yeah. say he's a true artist, artist. Yeah. But I'm guessing he was financially stable enough to be able to make that decision at the time. I can only assume. I guess so, but there's also a lot of talks that he used to do all his money on drugs and, right. and spend it on the wrong kind of um, social group. And then struggle for a long time couldn't even pay his rent right at hotels and yeah. people that he was renting off and he had to paint a few canvases in order to give it over in like as currency almost sure but those kind of stories people love hearing it about yeah. it because who is kind of writing that scenario is it jean-michel basquiat who conformed with the art market sure. and turned himself into who he is or yeah. is the artist someone like hamilton right who's turned his back on the art market yeah. and became a rebel yeah um i don't i don't think there is a right or wrong i think it's just at the end of the day comes down to how you feel about it personally within yourself what do you feel's right and what do you feel wrong that's that's based on a number of different you know it's, it's ha what what do you think yeah art is and and what's your experience of it growing up and all sorts of things I yeah think, the, the commercial world and what that represents yeah because you could speak to some artists today and the moment you talk about money it's almost like they they can yeah and i understand it they can put their back up and say it should just be about the art and be creative but then you speak to another artist and say yeah it's about that but it's also about making money at the same time of course yeah I'd love, I'd love to spend my life running around london painting walls yeah it'd be brilliant because you could speak to someone like jeff coons or damien hearse are both living artists today and legends yeah but there's some of their some of their art and all of it is not actually produced by them it's sure. produced by other people and they sign it off and they're multi-millionaires 10 times over yeah so it's kind of that balance in today's world where you've got to be creative and do things which are going to make you creative but then also at the same time getting yourself um, financially educated learning how to do social and market, online yeah. marketing and align yourself with the right brand so let's talk about I'm not going to name any galleries but there are galleries out there good galleries and there are not so good galleries so how do you pick and choose which ones you want to work with? Um, 
I like to go with a gut instinct upon um, meeting them face to face and and getting a good vibe off them. Um, I've met some I've met some horrible gallerists <coughs> down the road, which has at times made me feel very jaded about the whole thing. Mm. And then you know galleries that you really respect, and then you you hear stories about how they've treated their artists, mm. and you know, so it's difficult. Um, also, you know, now we're we're at a time as well with this Instagram thing, where I've heard of gallerists being interested in the artist's social media following before even almost looking at their artwork. Yeah, and it's like, oh my god, have we just turned into the? Has it just become this and crazy? A yeah. numbers thing, a zoo where you know it's all just about promoting each other, mm. um, which is depressing. So yeah, no, I like to think of it of, of going with a gut instinct, but also of course like just seeing a gallery who and, and you see the artists that they've represented and their artists that you believe in, and you feel their artists that have got integrity. Um, so yeah, I think that's the best way to to go about it. But um, I'm by far an expert in in that world. Um, that's something I'm still getting to grips with, mm. definitely. Yeah, going on your gut, I think it's important. I think um, yeah. it's almost your, your second your second brain, isn't it? It is, yeah. It, it guides you. Yeah. Um, so I've, I've interviewed a, a, a few people from footballers, boxers, people in fashion, obviously a few artists now. Um, and one thing I get from all of you people I've interviewed is your sheer determination to become successful or pursue that, that perfection to your work. Sure. But there are times, and we all go through it because we're all human, where challenges come up and you kind of question your vision, you question your ability, you question the market, you question everything. Yeah. And I think it's very healthy at the same time, normal. But as long as you don't live there and you kind of use it as fuel to keep on going, that's the main thing. But yeah. have you ever had it when you think, you know what? I'm going to, what they call in a conventional world, I'm going to go off and get like a real career, a real path rather than this, you know, this this creative, because I know what my mum and dad would say if I was going to, I know, pursue like doing doing fashion or something, they'd go, go, go and get a real job, yeah, you know, because sure. they wouldn't I've understand had, I've it. I've had plenty of that. I bet you've had that yeah, as well. I've had years, years of, um, yeah, both my parents thinking I'm crazy for, for doing what I do. And yeah, been through some been through some hard times with it. I mean, even even this year, I've like um, I've had two really big jobs fall through. No fault of mine. Just things haven't panned out. But jobs that I were uh, I was I was relying on for future revenue. Then I've just got back from this festival in Belgium that I was supposed to be painting at. Um, that got cancelled while I was out there. While I was out there, I got another email saying that another uh, big job had fallen through. And yeah, you get those moments where you're just like, oh, fuck's sake, you know, give me a break here. Um, but what I found is that it always somehow, no idea how, but somehow it always works out. You know, um, I, that, that's all I can say it, it tends to work out I've never had to bite the bullet and get a real job mm -hmm. and that's just blind faith but also um, just yeah a, a lot of hard work mm. I, I suppose making sure that you're always out there making sure that you, um, you're always pushing your artwork out there going out painting doing stuff I think staying busy even when even when there's no work on the trick is just to keep producing artwork keep showing people that you're producing <laughs> artwork um, 
otherwise it's very easy to, to get to get really um, depressed yeah <laughs> yeah yeah it's um, again like everyone it doesn't matter what profession you're in I think everyone goes through these challenges and I think it's like I said earlier it's healthy to have the challenges and also feel a little bit of fear sometimes about yeah. where which direction you're going in because yeah. it makes you resourceful and it makes you step up and become a better version of you sure but I think a lot of people sometimes fall back into the trap of uh, if things are doom and gloom things are not going so right and then they kind of opt out for more of an easier or more conventional option sure and it's sad because these could be the next Jeff Coons these could be the next yeah. Damien Hurst if they just persevere because Andy Warhol went through it Picasso went through it yeah. but the, all these top people have all gone through adversity it's just about staying positive and focused to your yeah. mission what I found is a lot of the time a lot of the best artists are also some of the most introverted so they don't have necessarily those social skills to get out there and talk to people about their work. And then you've got the flip side of the coin, which is these not so talented artists, but are full of confidence and bravado and end up doing quite well. Mm. And, um, you know, that's, that's, I think that's, that's sad in a way because you're getting people with a lot of integrity that become very bitter and, and, and angry about the fact that there's artists of a lesser degree that are getting the attention that these guys really deserve. Mm. But um, they haven't got the gift of the gap, you know. It's, le- it's about, well, they've learned, whether it's naturally or they've been around the right people, to it, learn how to promote themselves. Yeah. So have less capability, but they have massive capability when it comes down to presenting their story and yeah. their product in yeah. a certain way. And that's like 80% of it, I think, half the time, sadly. It's not always the product, it's just it's the way you present your product. Sure, definitely having a story behind you. People people need an access point to your work. Yeah. And um, they like to buy into the personality of the artist as well. And that's something that I never really gave much thought to until, you know, entering the gallery world and, mm. and the fine art side of things. Um, but yeah, yeah, you know, I've got my friend um, Matt um, Dosser. Yes, I know. And he was in a, um, he painted walls, was a traditional graffiti artist, then got into a really bad car accident in India. Wow. Um, had both of his legs completely shattered. Jesus. Um, you know, could have very easily died and is now, and, and throughout his recovery, which has meant he hasn't been able to be very active at all, um, has stayed at home for a considerable amount of time and spent all that um, the last couple of years producing a huge amount of canvas work and um, you know that's a story mm. his work's got a lot better it's become more prolific through that time of being able to have you know almost luxury to, to have that time to, to spend on creating artwork but that's a story mm. you know uh, that's where a life situation is adapted the work that he's made and and yeah you know i know uh, people use the phrase all the time um you know uh, everything happens for a reason now i listened to a guy called ed mylett and i'm going to try and remember what he says coinage phrase which is life hap- doesn't happen to you it happens for you right so no matter what what is actually happening and i know it's really difficult at the time like if i had a car crash i'd be like what is going yeah. on but to try and find turning a, negative into a, yeah, into a positive yeah positive thing I mean yeah. I had something um, in early 2000s I got um, knocked off my motorbike and I split my kidney open ended up going to the hospital no. 
And it was at this time where I hated the job I was doing. I was in a career that I did not want to be in, but I kind of was kind of going with it just because I was young and I just didn't know what else to do. And this was a shock to your system. This and was, you were like, yeah, life short, gotta got do what you do. I was got not on do a what you want. Yeah. hospital bed laying there and I had no other <clears> choice but to think about things sure. in silence. Sure. There's no one around me. I obviously have visitors every so often, but yeah. when you're laying there for you know days, weeks on end, yeah. you just start questioning things and just start recapping about life. I was 19 years of age. I wasn't, I wasn't old. And it gave me the encouragement to get better, um, get back on the motorbike again to overcome my fear. But then the second thing was to move away from the current career path I was in and pursue something else. And I found sales. And I've got to say, finding sales has been one of the best things ever for me because right. it's the core of, of, of everything. Like whether you've got a family, whether you've got a social group, whether sure. you're in business, whether you're just communicating regular people, sales is about effective communication. That's what it's all about. So had it not been for the motorbike accident, I may not have pursued certain things that I've pursued, basically. Yeah, yeah. You know? it works. Life works in mysterious ways like that. It definitely, definitely. does. Yeah. Um, talk us about feeling and emotion then, because we spoke about that. Uh-oh. Um <laughs> So I've had uh, Tom Webb, uh, who is a coding artist. Um, I spoke about... Um, certain things that he's gone through like mental challenges sure. and how it develops in his work yeah. Harris Newcomb he was my first person I ever in- interviewed for my oh, podcast yeah. cool. he spoke about it it seems like every single artist I've spoken to is quite willing to speak about you know some of the mental challenges sometimes they've gone through all the emotions they've gone through and then it's actually factored into their work Yeah. so are you different to that or would you say you share no, a common I very much fall into that category yeah yeah and if you don't mind me sort of uh sort of drilling down into that it's a little fine. bit what, yeah. what what would you say you've uh, gone through and how has it helped your work um anxiety for the most part anxiety has always just been there at the back of my mind um something that i've dealt with for years now um it's very common like i even i, think, I, th- I mean that i don't know an artist to be honest that's that hasn't experienced some form of mental illness down the line. But even uh, business people, I mean, the amount of business people that I've had conversations with behind the scenes mm. and chat, and they said, yeah, I, I suffer from man, man anxiety. Yeah. And I said, yeah. what? what do you mean? Yeah. You seem like the most confident person. You stand up in front of hundreds of people, sure. you talk, you do these amazing presentations, you've got a great family, you got a lot of money behind yeah. you. What are you? Why are you so worried about? And they yeah, said, "No, yeah, I suffer yeah. from it majorly." Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's again either using that kind of tool in the back of your mind as something that's going to push you forward, or it can hold people back. Sure. Well, I, I think I definitely uh, the artwork that I, I think I'm most productive probably when I'm when I'm anxious or stressed or pissed off. It's definitely that's my way of channeling. Um, any form of negative emotion and I, and I feel like when people see some of my work and it's quite dark and whatnot, it's it's like you know sometimes um, they'll be like oh is everything alright in your head Tom you know is, is everything alright and I'm like yeah but it, it because I've got it out yeah because I've got it out this doesn't make me weird I'd be weird if I wasn't doing this mm. do you know what I mean um, so yeah I think Definitely, like art's always been there for me when I've when I've uh, felt like I was going through a rough time or anxious or down about something. 
Um, and I would even go as far as to say it's probably when I produce some of my best work. Mm. I think the minute I start feeling content, you're, you're sort of, you know, that's when I, I tend to find creative blocks happening. Mm. It's not until I feel like I want to vent something or, or get something out that, that I find myself creating some interesting stuff. Yeah. The, um, I've referenced this a few times, but Jean-Michel Basquiat again, um, obviously died at a very young age, I think 27 or 28 years of age um, from drug related stuff. Yeah. And there was a period in his life where he was heavily on drugs. Yeah. Then was trying to come off, heavily on drugs, trying to come off. Right. And during these waves of different transitions, his work was slightly changing. Yeah. And everybody said at the time who was collecting his art, investing into his art, I prefer the art that when he was heavily on drugs. Right. Now, no one's asking him to be on drugs. Yeah. But there has been some messages I've heard before where there were almost gangs who were trying to force more drugs on him. So produce. So they create that kind of work. And then they would take it as kind of collateral. That's interesting. Yeah. And it's, I don't yeah. know whether that's a conspiracy or what, but you can kind of understand it because all that pain, all that frustration, all that anger, as you said, goes onto the canvas and people can actually see it. You know, they yeah. really see the, the fear, the anxiety, the, the stress sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. And um, people want to pay big money for it. Yeah, well, it's, it's kind of, yeah, sharing, sharing that with, mm. a, with an audience. It's, there's a therapeutic thing to that. And I find that with, with graffiti as well, it's... it's it's interesting to be able to feel something negative, put it out on the street, and therefore turning it into a, a positive of sorts because you're you're sharing that with um with an audience, whether they choose to be an audience or not. Mm. But yeah, you, you you find and you find people that will pick it apart and and are often quite insightful, you know, in terms of what they how they respond to it. You yeah. know, sometimes quite drastically. I've had I've had work violently painted out before because people have uh, taken to it badly. Wow. Uh, but um, but that's interesting to me. Mm. I I don't mind people um, negatively responding to my artwork. I feel like I'm doing something right almost if yeah. I'm creating a reaction. Yeah. I think all good art should provoke a reaction. Of course it should definitely. So how old are you now, Tom? I'm 37. 37. 37. Where do you see yourself going in the next 5, 10, 15 years from now? I mean, what kind of goals and visions have you got for your work? Um, I'd like to exhibit more. I'd like to uh, push the canvas work a little further. The way I've kind of structured my art life uh, over the last couple of years is trying to be productive throughout the summer months uh, in terms of going out and painting as much as I can, taking advantage of the longer days. And then during the winter, focusing more on canvas work and, and illustration. Um, it just makes sense to me. Mm. Um, so yeah, potentially got a solo show in October. So that's something I'm going to work towards. Right. But film's something that I'm, I'm very interested in as well. Film is something that I want to uh, explore okay. and tick off the bucket list at some point but I think that's that's a few years down the road as in you producing and filming something get, yeah like directing yeah? directing okay yeah yeah. that's wicked yeah films I think films what I would have gone into had the art thing not become so important but I've still got I've got plenty of ideas of how what I'd like to produce within that medium but you know we'll, we'll just we'll just see what happens there but I'd like to think that um, yeah we'll get something going on that front Good. In the future, yeah. 
You mentioned that uh, you, you travel to go and do some some work and stuff. Yeah. So is there is there like any um, certain cities or countries that you would like to go and visit and create a name for yourself? I um, so I've been to, out to Tokyo and that was in that was about <coughs> eight years ago now. Um, one of the reasons I was out there is because I I was well I was I was on this tour that was an animation tour so I was looking at all the animation studios there which is yeah big what I'm into but um, I wanted to paint out there um, which I found to be almost impossible there's literally no areas there that are designated for graffiti mm. you know and, and, and so the whole thing is just a very alien concept mm. to them out there so you've got plenty of uh, bombing around the city plenty of tags and whatnot, but very little in the way of spaces where people can produce artwork which I found interesting given that that font and design and art and illustration is such a big part of their city and culture um, so at some point I'd like to get back there maybe do something in that city and potentially exhibit there as well because nice. I think I mean a lot of people have said my work would go down quite well there but again it's yeah finding the right people finding the right space mm. it's all got to make sense yeah um, but that's something I'd love to do Cool. I yeah. went to Tokyo actually a few years ago for New Year's Eve, and uh, I think it's a great, great place. It's amazing. Lots of stuff going on. I mean, completely bonkers. Yeah. And, like, do you go to Electric City? Uh, I'm not sure. I went to Akihabara. Okay. I can't actually Don't know. remember. Yeah. But yeah. the the obvious thing is the language barrier. So, yeah. like, do you think that would 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 actually hinder trying to promote some of your work? Would you think I'd that'd be to, good? I'd have to work with someone like out a local there that was bilingual. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah I'd, it would be terrifying otherwise <laughs> yeah so uh, working in different places maybe venturing into films as well Tell what about on, yeah. what about have you ever thought about collaborations with people or doing it with fashion companies or anything like that uh, the fashion side yeah I, th that's another thing where like I've been approached by people but again I've just gone with that gut thing where like I, I need to know that they're doing it properly before I sell any designs or or and the rest of it so yeah it's something that I would contemplate but again it would have to be with the right brand and with a brand that trusted my vision and really kind of let me do what I want yeah um, into what was the other question well um, so collaborations collaborations with other artists yeah yeah I've got um, so I've got a sort of so I'm part of a crew called 40HK which okay. is the graffiti side of things and then I've got um, a little two man crew which is just me and myself uh, and uh, my friend I just said me and myself <laughs> I was a bit schizophrenic <laughs> quit painting yeah 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 uh, me and my mate Ewan who's an illustrator and we've both got quite a dark uh, sense of humour and are into the sort of edges I've, side of things I've, I've recently painted with him yeah I saw so there was like the, the mouse head yeah. with something else like he, a did, he did a rat he did oh. a rat face I did the sort of messed up version of Mickey um, but he's he's someone that uh, yeah we've been doing a few bits and pieces together and uh, we gel really well together and um yeah, we've we've talked about projects. We've talked about doing some comic book stuff together, and then he might even be someone that I end up getting involved in the film side with. Okay. But, um, so yeah, we're always we're a good partnership in terms of bouncing ideas off each other. So definitely more between me and him in the future. Um, but yeah, I'm always open to to collaborating. 
It's good collaborating with artists, yeah. Um, as an artist, I mean, I certainly, uh, in business, I look up to certain people, I read a lot of books, listen to podcasts, I think you've got to continue getting, being inspired by other people and motivated by people and learning from other people. Who would you say in the art sector has motivated you or you're inspired by? Oh. It's a it's a good question, but one that I can't I can't answer on the spot. I can't. There's just too many too many artists out there to think about. Um, I couldn't tell you. I couldn't tell you. Um, in terms of no. Nah. What about um, okay? So we like have to cut that cut that <laughs> bit out. <laughs> That's fun. Um, so there's obviously the, the the obvious people like the Bankses of this world. Yeah. And, obviously days and people like that but would you say it's more like a bunch of different people or would you say it's a certain genre that really excites there you was, um, there was an artist well there still is an artist there's an artist called um, Greg Simkins who's out in LA right um, and I, I used to be like I used to obsess over his stuff I still love it brilliant um, but he was the first artist I think this was back in the MySpace sort okay. of era where I was discovering all these like lowbrow surrealist artists that were coming out of the graffiti world. And London didn't really have that. London, you had your, your Banksy's um, and various other sort of street artists, but they were the ones that were transitioning into the gallery side of things. Okay. Whereas that wasn't really happening with the, with the graffiti artists. And I always thought that's strange because the graffiti artists have been around way longer than these, yeah, yeah. this crop of street artists. Um, but I, fa- I saw that in LA you were getting a lot of really technically good graffiti artists that were transitioning into fine art, surrealism, and these galleries that seem to be out there supporting that stuff. So that kind of I think something clicked around that time where I was like there is a way of uh, painting you know figurative graffiti-esque quirky character work and and it finding a home on canvases as well Hmm. so maybe that was a sort of an early inspiration to me Um, but yeah yeah, it's a good question. I'm not not great at answering it. Yeah. It's probably uh, it's probably like loads of different layers to it. That's I think that's so. Yeah, I don't think it. I don't think there was like that one big moment where mm. I was like, oh yeah, of course. It's just been a slow, organic yeah journey. Well, I was going to ask you. My next question is, and there's only a couple more things I wanted to ask you. But in your career so far, what has been kind of your best? ever better work on best moment where you thought you know what this is really really cool I've got you massive amount of like excitement or euphoria from it yeah something where you made an impact and you thought you know what that's that's quality I did um, I was invited to to um, exhibit at the Pixar animation studios wow. out in San Francisco um, a long time ago now it's about 10 10 years back now but um, that was very affirming because it was alongside some of the best illustrators and animators in the world. I mean, literally, like, I looked at the list and I was like, what am I doing on this list? Mm-hmm. Um, but that was, uh, yeah, that was for a project called the Totoro Forest Project, um, which was where um, Studio Ghibli out in Japan, they produced a movie called Mike, this is where this T-shirt's 
t-shirts got imagery from their okay. from their animation actually but um this guy Totoro there's a film called My Neighbor Totoro which was about this um sort of mythical beast that lives in the forest and Studio Ghibli decided in partnership with Pixar to create an exhibition to help save the Japanese rainforest uh, which involved artists creating their own version of this mythical beast. Okay. So it was called My Totoro Project. Um, and that was amazing, just being asked to do that. Um, flew out to San Fran, went to the Pixar Animation Studios for the auction. Must have been incredible. Um, yeah, it's wicked. So that was, that was cool, as far as projects go. Yeah, that one's hard to top. And what about, I mean, it's a bit of a... Yeah, it's a cliche question, but what would you say has been the most challenging parts of things, what you've gone through or things that you thought, Jesus, this is tough or, I know, yeah, just, just stuff where you thought, you know what, this is, this is our work. Um, yeah, I guess just, just projects, um, projects that initially sound very creative often get watered down drastically from the initial conception and that's always disappointing when you're um, invited to be part of some, something and they, they you think they're going with you because they like your individual style mm. and then down the line the the corporate bosses get involved and it becomes more and more diluted so I find that always quite frustrating because I'm quite yeah. stubborn as well and I'm quite um I'll try and push as hard as I can to retain my stamp on things yeah. in terms of the final artwork. So that's a constant challenge. Um, it's a good uh, character trait to have, though, because it means you're passionate about your work yeah. and you're not trying to sell out, you know, where you're just saying, just do whatever you want. Yeah. Uh, a good artist, in my opinion, is someone that is quite stubborn and true to their work. Yeah, and retain a, a, a brand identity identity yeah. yeah this is a question that I've, I haven't asked yet but it's something a new new question I'm going to be asking in most of my podcasts if you were to recap on our conversation right now how would you title this uh, this podcast interview blood sweat and fears <laughs> alright cool wicked um, I always leave my podcast on with my catchphrase which is be happy never content I've got my own interpretation of it. I've said it countless times on my episodes. If I were to say to you, be happy, never content, what do you think that means? That means uh, keep going, but don't stop. Bottom line. Bottom line. Short, yeah, short and simple. Yeah. Wicked. Thank you very much. Been an absolute pleasure having you on here. Uh, no doubt we're going to get some uh, good photos. want to get some of these wicked artwork uh, in, in the shots. And um, I look forward for this coming out. Nice one, Tom. Nice one. Thank you very much. Sure.